ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Daily Dimensions Podcast. As always, I am your host, Smitty, back with another one, man. And today I am joined by social worker, podcaster, and all-around go-getter, my friend Vanessa Kafonic. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> good, 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 good. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we was able to make this work. You know, we was trying to schedule it out. It ain't worked the first time, but you feel me? We kept that persistence we, going. We here. We here. We here. We made it, man. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for coming. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good one. Thank you for having me. So, you know, you are a social worker. And this is a show about wellness and everything like that. And, I, you know, we've had a lot of different social workers come on to the show. And I want to just kind of get into it, whereas, like, just asking what made you choose social work? Like, what made you want to get into that helping profession? Because a lot of people are like, there's no money in it. There's this, there's that. Like, why would. There's definitely money in social work. You just got to know where you're going. Um, but that is a loaded question. I would say probably my child, like, elementary school, you know how you have those psychologists and social workers in school? Yeah. I hated mine. Okay, that'll do it. Um, She, I mean, she came from a good place, but she just really wasn't able to help me. She was a white woman, um, and she just wasn't able to help me. She would suggest stuff, and I'd be like, do you know who my mother is? Yeah, like, that's not going to fly. We're not going to do this. So I initially started school in nursing um, and then switched over to social work. Because I couldn't, I didn't want to do psychology and not be able to get a job because psychology is so broad Mm -hmm. and you have to go through to your doctorate with psychology. So I was like, social work. Social work. I can still, (laughs) I was like, I, you know, if I don't like therapy, um, because my goal was always to be a therapist. So I was like, Mm -hmm. if I don't like doing therapy, I can always switch over and go macro and go into policy or something of that nature. So I was like, so social work is social work. Okay, okay. And that's one of the beautiful things about social work. It's a very flexible degree. You don't get locked into just one thing. Exactly. And one thing you mentioned earlier, that, you know, for the people who think that there's no money in social work, right? You said that there is. You just have to be able to find it. So for someone who's looking for it, <laughs> where can they find it? Because a lot of people don't think that. So, I mean, obviously everybody says work for the state to get the money, like DCF, mm-hmm. CPS workers. Um, I mean, that's one way. I'm not a fan, but if it's for you, it's for you. I would definitely say if you are looking to get the money and want to go more of a Mm. clinical path, definitely private practice or Mm. working for private, privately owned agencies. You don't have as much restrictions as you do when you work for people that are in privately owned agencies and there's more space to negotiate your salary. That is true. One thing I will say, negotiate your salary. Because I went into my first position after grad school and I didn't negotiate. And then now we are going on. (laughs) Y'all, I didn't quit. I quit my job of two and a half years in March. And then I had another job and then another job. And now I'm about to quit. I quit this job about to start another job to finally get to the salary that I wanted to be at because they weren't paying me. And I was like, well, I'm not doing all this work for you not to pay me. I didn't Mm -hmm. go to school. I didn't get a master's degree to be paid. No minimum. Like, we're not going to do this. Um, And, you know, this last interview, she she looked at me. She was like, oh, that's what you're making. That's pretty high for someone who doesn't have their clinical license yet. Ooh, she tried to hit you with the, I mean, you're not licensed, so. (laughs) Mind you, I thought she, like, was not going to hire me or call me back. 
So what my initial response to her was, yes, it's high, but I'm good at what I do and I'm qualified. There's Period. a lot of people in our field that work in schools with predominantly black and Hispanic children that can't reach them and don't know how to maneuver or work with them and like to mm -hmm. say, oh, they're bad kids. They have bad behavior. Child, no. You don't know what you're doing. That's the problem. Okay. Speak to it. <laughs> but yeah. But she ended up calling me back two days later. Yeah, you're really qualified. I was like, oh. Okay. Oh, I am. And she the offered, other day it was about the license. Right. <laughs> right. And then she ended up offering me more than what I asked for. So I was like, okay, we lit. Wow. Yeah. Sound like she checked them references and was like, She oh, did. Okay. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Isaiah. He was definitely one of the references. Yo, I'm not going to lie to you. Everywhere I've ever applied, Isaiah is my <laughs> reference. And he's, and if y'all don't, y'all know Isaiah, double back. He has an episode on his podcast. Just look for it. Isaiah is the ultimate reference. Big facts. The way he be talking about people, you be like, oh, dang, I didn't know I was that good. <laughs> like, so true. Oh, man. So uh, another thing that you mentioned is, like, being able to reach black and brown kids. And, you know, you said earlier your experience, you had a, a social worker that didn't necessarily look like you. Do you feel like it's really important to have people who look like us in those spaces helping people who look like us? Absolutely. I mean, I won't say or try to negate the fact that somebody who doesn't look like us can't do the work mm -hmm. there's just it it's a different experience for a child or a client that gets to go to the office and be like hey like she has hair like i have hair she looks yeah. like me so when i sit in the office um my preference is working with black girls but when i sit in the office and they're like well you know i got picked on for my hair i'm like yeah i can understand that yeah and they, you can be relatable you, to yeah, them. you're relatable. Whereas if it's somebody else, it's like, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, uh, I was just about to say something. Sorry. That's all right. Also, in this, in those spaces, we are very much necessary because without not just the one-to-one -one meeting with clients, but the background meetings that happen with the psychiatrist, the psychologist, the doctors, where they're like, oh, yeah, we should push these meds up, or we should do this, we should do yeah. that. I'm I'm pretty sure I've had a whole ton of psychologists or psychiatrists hate me because I'm like, no, we don't need to push meds. We need to change the environment because that's mm -hmm. the true issue. Got to look at that person in the environment. Yeah, no. And I'm working, my current position, I work with a, a black psychiatrist. I love her. Like, love her because she's always like, well, you know, it's it's not the meds. We need to maybe change change this or change she that first. She can see that perspective. And I'm like, oh, like, I've been missing you my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> like, where have you been? And that's important, too, because, you know, having different internships and things like that, like, I've experienced it, too, where you sit in these care plan meetings and all this other stuff, and they want to push meds mm -hmm. really heavy. And that's not always the answer. Sometimes it's just the environment the kid's in or they just need some stability, like because there's no stability or foundation at home. And exactly. There's so many other things you could do before you're just like, hey, here, take this pill for all the tragic things that are happening in exactly. your life right now. No, and a lot of times they look more so at the symptoms rather than the trauma that's happened mm -hmm. because sometimes, so I'll give an example with a patient. They're trying to give the patient lithium because mm. of suicidal ide ideations to kind of help. And lithium helps with suicidal ideations, where in reality the suicidal ideations are coming from a lack of acceptance from their family because they are a part of the LGBTQ community and their family is extremely religious. Yeah. So it's not necessarily suicidal ideation in its pure nature where it's really just the person 
has these impulsive, intrusive thoughts. It's more so my family's triggering me because they're telling me, I'll pray for you or you're going to go to hell. Stuff like that. So me giving that patient lithium or saying, oh, yeah, let's give them lithium. That's not going to do nothing because they're going to go home. They're going to go home to that same environment and be subjected to the same thing. And it's it's not going to change it. So, yeah, no, that's definitely major. I think that if people, like you said, could really look at the person in the environment and like what are they being subjected to and not looking at just like suicidal ideation or whatever it may be the symptom and look at what's the cause we could really get to something and you know sticking with you know you saying like okay you know maybe my family is you know something going on with family family for you because you mentioned (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned um how you chose social work instead of nursing What was that conversation like with your family? Because you mentioned it on one of your podcast episodes, you know, switching from nursing to social work. Um, So for background, if you guys haven't heard my own episode, I am Haitian and Cuban. In the West Indian culture, it's nursing, doctor, lawyer. Those are the acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the acceptable positions, uh, not positions, careers. Mm -hmm. So when I switched over, I got to WestCon. I transferred in my sophomore year and I started off nursing. Then I went there and I was like, I don't like blood. I don't like sick people. (laughs) So this is not going to work. Um, So I switched over and I didn't tell anybody until... Probably, like, my last semester senior year Mm. so that my mom didn't, like, have a whole conundrum. Actually, no, I didn't tell my mom. I told my – I told one of my aunts and, like, my siblings my last semester senior year. My mom found out the day of graduation. Wait, When they called my name. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) So you went your whole college career with your mom thinking you about to be a nurse? Yep. Nah. (laughs) Listen, she's my mother is very much dramatic. I love love her to death, but she's very dramatic. So I was like, you know what? I don't feel like listening to this. I already got to study. I got to do. I was an RA and I was interning and BSU. I was like, that's too much. I don't got time for her on top of all of that. Mind you, she's already bugging me. So if (laughs) I tell her I switch over, it's going to be even worse. Um, But ultimately, she so the day of graduation, I knew she wasn't going to. She wasn't going to bug out. She was happy I graduated. So that's exactly why I did that. But um, a week later, because I was leaving for Howard um, in August. So a week later, she had a discussion with me because she didn't say anything for probably like that whole week. She had a discussion. She was like, so you switch? I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah. She was like, why aren't you doing nursing? It was too hard. I said, no, I just don't like blood or sick people. And she just shrugged it off. She was like, "Mm, okay. I was like. (laughs) All right. That mm, okay probably was a lot for her. Yeah, though. I was like, all right, and I was like, so you're not gonna yell? She was like, mm, no, you 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 want to be an adult? Be an adult. When <laughs> when when you can't make money, don't don't come ask me for nothing. I was like, all right, bro, relax. It's like, all right, you got it. It's cool. But now she sees she. I told her about the salary I'm about to make for the job. She was like, oh, good job, good job. I was like, yeah, now now it's good job. <laughs> now it's good work. Now it's okay to study social work. That's crazy. Right. Oh, man. And it's interesting how, like, just culturally, the way different careers are viewed, especially social work, like, because mental health in other cultures it's is not, almost not a thing. Yeah, like, it's it, it's, it almost doesn't exist, especially in, like, West Indian culture. It's like, if we can't put some tea 
to it or, or pray it Bible. away or read your Bible <laughs> and go to church about it and we can't get rid of it with that, then it's like... A deme- it's a demon. You're a demon. You're possessed. There's something wrong with you. You're crazy. <laughs> and um, so speaking to that, do you feel like that perspective has impacted you in a way? Um, So I feel like when I was younger, it impacted me a lot because mm-hmm. I will self-disclose and say that I did have a bit of depression. Um, my father passed away when I was younger, so my grieving process was longer because of that feeling or that idea of, you know, God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Mm-hmm. You just had to stick it out. You got to tough yeah. it through. And I didn't allow myself to properly grieve and be sad and actually cry about stuff because I was like, oh, well, no, I'm not supposed to cry. I'm not supposed to this. I'm not supposed supposed to to just tough it out and you're going to be fine. When in reality, I mean, people will call me a crybaby now, but (laughs) (laughs) crying is a good release. And I think that, you know, my faith is very important to me, but Mm. faith without works is dead. You are supposed to be actively doing the work to get yourself to a position where you can then say, God, this is what I'm doing. I need your help with the rest. God doesn't expect you to just lay there and be like, oh, well, you didn't give me anything I can't handle. So let me just pray and just read my Bible and then sit here. Yeah. No, take go to therapy. Go address that trauma. Go. Address, go Because you're going to be sitting here miserable with your Bible in hand and praying. And I've seen it too many times in church where people mm. are so miserable. And I'm like, that's not. You don't have to be that way. Like, like you, you go you talk let to that, somebody. Let that hurt go. <laughs> like let that hurt go. It was thirty years ago. Like it right. You don't have to be sitting here talking about the same thing. Holding on to it, and they repeat it so many yeah. times. And I'd be like, "Did you really pray? Like you really prayed about it?" And the it? thing too is, they'll repeat it, but then they'll tell you they're fine. And it's like, yo, you're not you're fine. You're not fine because you keep saying you it. You keep bringing it. You've been bringing this same thing up my whole life, and I'm not bringing it up. So clearly, you're pressed about it. Like, you need nah, to figure this out. I did that to my mom because my dad moved to Connecticut. My mm. mom, when she initially came, she was in Florida. Every single day of my life, I've heard this lady say, mm, I hate it here. I'm going back to Florida. I'd be like, You good? Like, you yeah. mad you had to move here? She's like, No, I'm fine. I'm like, Clearly, you're not. No, you're not. You're saying you hate it here all the time. Go back to Florida. Like, like it's too cold. It's too thick. I'm like, all right, go go back to Florida. Ain't nobody holding you. I'm grown now. You you don't got a guardian or nothing. Go ahead. Right. Give me and, somewhere to visit. And another thing, too, that I, I'm starting to see more and more, like, as you grow in this profession and as you, like, have this understanding that we've grown to have, when you look back on, like, family members and relatives and different Ooh. things like that and you're able to, like, read them differently, it's like, huh. oh, man, like, what? Yo, y'all need this help too. <laughs> One of my grandmother's like best friends that I grew up with, mm-hmm. she's schizophrenic, and I'm just now seeing that. Now that I'm looking back on like she used to do some wild stuff or be just talking to people, and I'm like, yo, you're schizophrenic. Yeah, and nobody like nobody said anything, Nobody's nobody said. did anything. They just let her be, and I'm like, bro, what? We're like, oh, that's just her. Literally, that's literally what what they'd say. And I'd be like, yo, like she could have been like way higher functioning had Mm -hmm. y'all did something. Yeah. And I I have, I can speak to that too. I got family members with autism and it's like, I never knew he was autistic until I got older and started learning about like different characteristics and traits of people with autism. And I'm like, oh my God, 
I thought he was just him. And it's like, <laughs> nah, there's something different about him. And I'm like, oh, wow, this makes sense. So much sense. And like, everything I learned, I'm like, wow, that's him. For real? Wow. But, yeah, no, nah, it's definitely, it's a thing, man. You learn a lot and it, you, you start seeing everything different. It's like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. You but, ever get told, um, don't don't therapist me or don't social work me? Oh, I get that all the time. Okay. It's like, yeah, no, why are you therapizing actually, you know me? What? Like, why are you? You actually used to do that to me a lot. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let me tell ya, Smitty has a habit of just asking you questions, and I don't even think it's intentional. He'll ask you deep questions, and I'd be sitting there like, dang. Oh, okay. I but, like, I that. promise you it's not intentional. That's just how my mind works. And it's like, oh, It's okay. Man. It's appreciated because sometimes I needed to think about those things. You I was like, me? dang. It's, a, it's okay. not me. It's not a promise. It's not me. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, nah, I do that to a lot of people. And I, I, I'm trying to, like, not ask as many questions. It's but I'm hard. a question person. It's like, very hard. Questions help me understand. Like, if I don't understand something or if I'm trying to make sense of something, Cause people will talk to me and I'll be like, that don't make no sense. Like, what are we? So then I ask questions and then next thing you know, it's like, oh man, all right, maybe I asked the wrong, <laughs> like too many questions. Cause it's like this, the math, not mathing right now, <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, I'm guilty as that guilty as charged, man. <laughs> but, um, transitioning, right. So you said you graduated from West Con, got your degree. Your mom found out that day you was social work. Yeah. And then you said a week later, or no, you said in August? Yeah. In August? Okay, you started at Howard. Yes. How was the Howard experience? The illustrious Howard oh University. <laughs> Guys, listen, I will urge each and every single person of color, not even just black, but especially black, but of color, go, yeah. to, go to an HBCU. It's a completely different, just a different experience, a different vibe. Like, I know for social work we had um, – what you call it, Karen? Like we had a few, we had a couple, it was a like couple, two or three. It was like two or three black professors, but I got to Howard and all my professors were black, and I was just like, oh my goodness, it is lit. I love it here, and it's <laughs> like they were all black, but they were all like different, like. You know how people be putting black people on one category? Yeah, like we all act Yeah, no. They okay. were all, like, even under academia, they were all completely different in how they went about their academics, how they went about teaching. And I just loved it. Like, just being exposed and yeah. being there. Like, I'm trying to move back, y'all. Because even D.C. in general, there's so many black professionals, and they're always willing to help. As far as like, oh, you need that? Yeah, I got you. Like, it's not Connecticut. Okay. Yeah, it's Connecticut, not... <laughs> they're not trying to help you at all. It's not Connecticut. <laughs> they're like, oh, you weren't here or you need this or, okay, cool. I know somebody that, like, everybody knows somebody that does something. Yeah, but no one's really helping you. Helping exactly. You. Yeah. Whereas, um, and I think that might just be, it may be Howard because I have, like, a narrow perspective. But mm. in terms of, like, just my classmates, my professors, I go back to D.C. right now. They'd be like, oh, you're trying to get a job here? Word, I know this person that works there. Let me help you out. Yeah. And actually be like, oh, pass me, your, pass me your resume. I got you. But the experience was very different because not only was it black professors, but I was also in a classroom with other black people. Like the entire class was mm. black for the most for the most part. And it was just very refreshing not feeling like I have to be the yeah. spokesperson. Yo, I, 
or not feeling like I have to like not say something because I can be I can be a little aggressive sometimes. Okay. Just look. But you're aware. <laughs> you're aware though. <laughs> I could be a little aggressive, especially when it comes to I remember this class. I had this class with Kia. Um, we were talking about the school to prison pipeline and mm. I don't remember specifically what somebody said, but it was along the lines of not um being so aggressive. I literally this was while I was at Wicon, I literally was just like, Well, you know, People wouldn't need to be aggressive if teachers knew how to do their job and knew how to attend to the classroom correctly. A child is not aggressive for no reason. So, yeah. And mm. then the professor just looked at me and I was like, okay, let me just sit down. <laughs> Whereas at Howard, it was a completely different subject. Very it was different. more so how do we change the training for teachers so that they know how to address some of these behaviors because a lot of times these behaviors don't require or warrant a child being kicked out of class it just no, warrants it hey you need to come sit up front closer to me so that you're not distracted or this needs to happen um so just the discussions in class and stuff the one thing i will say is that there was something to do every single night yeah i could imagine every single night it would be tuesday Yo, you trying to? No, I gotta study. I fight them distractions. I gotta do my work. <laughs> so I commend anybody that did undergrad at Howard because your girl would have failed, or I would have been a five year on the five, five year, year plan. <laughs> five year plan. <laughs> because they're mm -hmm. lit, like every single night. Not to mention, every single night is a regular regular time. Homecoming time, it's even worse. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get people from not even from D.C. just All pulling over, up to just DC. there. It's like a black convergence. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like the Avengers is assembling. Literally. Oh, man. So, I mean, I'm glad you were able to have that experience. And one thing you mentioned that, like, I never even thought about, but, like, not having to be the spokesperson in the classroom yeah. is a huge thing. Because especially I felt that a lot at WestCon being, like, not just a black student, but also being a male, because there wasn't a lot of men in yeah. the program. There was maybe like three of us yeah. in my year. I can only like, think of three. I think it was me, Samad, and... Rob. Yeah. That's yeah. It. So it's like anytime they had a, a question pertaining to men, and especially like a, a race situation, it was like they would look at me and they would look at Samad, and it's like... Oh, this is awkward. Like, do I, how do I how do I answer this? What answer am I supposed to give? And it just it just felt entirely uncomfortable. So like that wasn't even something that I even thought about. Like that you don't have to be that person anymore. Yeah. No. And that not only do your classmates understand the situation already, but your professor does as well. So that's like that's a dope situation altogether. Exactly. So now you know we we get through Westcon, we get through Howard. You know we're navigating the career path. You out here negotiating these big salaries. You right. feel me? <laughs> so now let's get into the podcast <sighs> so for those who don't know what is the name of your podcast where can they find it all that fun stuff so i am one of two of but go off sis the podcast we are on all streaming platforms so spotify apple google i can't think of the other ones but pretty much all over <laughs> but you active yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, and my co-host is Sejin Joason. We are both from Stanford, um, born and raised. Sejin went to Sacred Heart. Mm. I went to WestCon. And, yeah, this has actually been something I feel like I've been talking about doing a podcast forever. That's how it starts. Um, <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> I've literally been talking about it forever. And then I was like, uh, people don't want to hear what I got to say. Then I was like, I don't really care. 
Yeah, I'm just going. <laughs> if you want to hear it, you hear it. Yeah. Um, and then Sejin had told me she was like, "Yo, I had a random dream about us doing a podcast together." And then from there, it was just, "Oh, okay, let's do it." You know, Adam dreams. We gonna do it. You gotta listen to them. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so we're, that's that's us. So as far as the name and everything and the topic wise, does it does she also have that similar background too of social work kind of? No. no. So Sejin is a speech language pathologist i okay. think that's the proper yeah term. yeah, that's yeah. It, I think. she's a speech language pathologist um currently working in fairfield schools Ooh. dope yeah. dope dope so y'all just so the connection came and then as far as the name what made y'all go with but go off sis so i kind of like that <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually very funny we were talking with one of our close friends that we also grew up with and we're trying to find a name and we were just like I don't know what to do. Mm. And she had ended up sending like a screenshot of somebody's like they she was going back and forth with one of her friends and her friend had said but go off sit. But go off. And we're like, Oh, okay. That could work. That, that work. Like that. <laughs> um and so we added the sis just because, you know, everybody's sis out here. Yeah, sis definitely brings yeah. it all together. So, um with the podcast, there's two episodes I definitely want to talk about. One is the transitions episode and that spoke to me and i know it probably spoke to everybody else who listened to it about just transitioning in life you go from grad or undergrad to grad and then grad to like real life and you got to get a big boy big girl job yeah all those things so how has transitioning been for you ghetto (laughs) (laughs) transitioning i feel like for me it was very much eye-opening to the Mm. fact that i mean for me, I was always the person, and you probably saw this with BSU. Yeah. I was always the person like this needs to be like we need to do this this way. This needs to be done this way, um, and it needs to be done now and efficiently and quickly. And transitioning from undergrad, I got to grad school, and I was just like, "I'm we we not gonna keep doing this. <laughs> it's not gonna work. I miss my family. I miss my friends. Like I gotta go." Um, so I kind of transitioned from that, like need to be perfect, I guess you'd say, and that need to have things go exactly how I want them to just sort of going with the flow and letting go. There you go. It was a need for control. Okay. I was about to throw that in. It sounded like a control thing. (laughs) That need for control after leaving undergrad kind of started to like dwindle down just a little bit. While in grad school, it was still very much present. Then I came back. I moved back from D.C. up to home, mm. to Connecticut. And I was just like, I don't got a job yet. I don't I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> I was. I literally was just like, you know what? I'm done, and I'm tired of trying to control everything. And was just like, I'm going to just go with the flow. And yeah, let it be what it be. <laughs> things are just going to happen. I don't know why I didn't listen to anybody telling me to stop controlling trying to control everything because Mm. this has made life so much easier um as far as just you know going with things because things are not always going to go how we want them and for me that transition from undergrad to grad was a lot of depression a lot of just anxiety around well what if I get there and I absolutely hate my roommates what if I get there and I fail out of school yeah just anxiety and I was like you know that's also when I started therapy again. Um, so I, I, (laughs) (laughs) I had a male therapist to start with a black male. And I was just like, yo, like I was missing out on something, not having like 
a black therapist one and then having a male therapist just gives you a completely different perspective mm. as far as being you know a black woman and dating and school and balancing stuff yeah I he just gave me like he asked certain questions it was like having a conversation with you or Isaiah but more like in depth and like okay. share everything type thing and I was just like oh like all right, Vanessa, you are a control freak. Sit down, <laughs> let go, let let's, it be. Let's, let's, let's simmer down. But no, a bit. but that transition, like the, I will tell you right now, I was on and off as far as depression. I cried all the time. Um, so that was a very tough and ghetto transition, but <laughs> it was very necessary. I, it was necessary though. for me to get to where I am now to be like, oh, that happened. I right, bet. Like next. So now, what advice would you give to somebody who's like coming up on that time in their life where they're about to go through all of these transitions? What would you like something that you wish you knew in the beginning that you could tell somebody? I would literally say you are not going to be able to control everything. Mm. And you chances are you are going to enjoy your process more if you stop thinking about it so much and just let it be. Yeah. Go through everything and be in the moment, be present, be mindful of everything so that you can thoroughly enjoy it. Because looking back now, there's certain things that I didn't do because I was like, oh, what if that doesn't go right? And I'm like, yeah, Vanessa, you like, bugging. You should have just did, just did it. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that with the credit cards, though, guys. Relax. Oh, nah. See, you was doing that with the card? Listen, DC food, I paid them all off, though. But okay. <laughs> I was down there. I kid you not. I probably gained like thirty pounds because I had a Chick Fil A around the corner, a Carol around the corner, a Carolina Kitchen around the corner, and then Howard itself. If you go down the street or up the street, there's always food. Mm-mm. That little credit card. I was like, ooh, mind you, it was my first one too. I was like, ooh, food, <laughs> swipe, swipe, <laughs> swipe. <laughs> but yeah, enjoy the process. Be present. Definitely enjoy it, man. And then another episode, the self care versus selfish episode yes that one was cool too um just the idea of like sometimes you got to take that moment for yourself and Mm -hmm. prioritizing you doesn't necessarily make you a selfish person and you know that's something i had to learn myself because i'm like you know i always like care for others but now it's like oh dang man you got to care for yourself too like how do you do that without like alienating i felt like i was alienating people i'm like i don't want to feel like that but as far as self-care what are some things that you found for self-care that work for you um so i would say definitely i get facials monthly i journal a lot Mm -hmm. um and surprisingly i now enjoy going to the gym Shout out to okay. training with LB. Shout out to LB, man. Leonard, our good friend. Um, <laughs> Mr. Brown. <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, it's evolved to just taking just any time that I can take for myself and just be completely alone. So I have started to not have my phone like at night when I go to bed. Mm. Just be more mindful. If I'm watching a show, I'll watch a show just not in bed. I'll watch it on the couch and then go back to my room and just enjoy quiet Being alone in your room time. Alone. Yeah. So my self-care, it looks like, yes, spending and splurging on myself, but also just (laughs) having (laughs) a lot of swipe, swipe. But we could afford the swipe, swipe now. (laughs) Feel me new salary. Um, (laughs) But also just taking that time for myself where I know I can mindfully just enjoy my own presence. Mm -hmm. And then for someone who, let's say, wants to start doing self-care, but doesn't want to come off selfish or however that may be like what would you tell that person as far as like prioritizing them and how to do that 
Um, so I guess the non-therapist Vanessa would say, forget them, just go take your time <laughs> um, because you need it. You can't pour into somebody else if your cup is empty. Mm. Self-care is you filling your cup back up so that you can pour into someone. And even if there is water in the cup that you're pouring out of, that just think of that as dirty water. Yeah. Because okay. the water is not going to... It ain't fresh. It's, it's not like, going to be fresh. It's not going to do anything for anybody if you're pouring into them with dirty water. or ha It's like half doing something. So I definitely say if, you know, taking like three hours is too much for you, start with 10 minutes. Start with mm -hmm. journaling or a little meditation time. Just take little time and bits and pieces throughout your day where you start to spend time with yourself, it's not going to feel as much or like you're abandoning everybody yeah. else. Um, and you'll start to get used to taking that time away where you'll be able to be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to see you in an hour, two hours. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, for me, self-care started off looking like, uh, you know, when people would invite me to things and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go. And then I go, <laughs> that's how my self-care started. <laughs> I used to be that person like, yeah, you can invite me. And I might. Go, um, would you get are, mad if you not. don't get invited mm, i used to and now i don't okay because I, do. I think my friends have understood like all right smitty's probably not gonna, gonna come. come so it's like i, I used to feel away and i'm like nah, all right now i get it you know because just certain things i'll be like oh, i don't want to be outside i don't wanna be around people I it just, especially for long periods of yeah, time yeah my social meter runs out and it's like let me just stay home and just enjoy being by myself have you found that it's been more with i feel like our line of work the more you talk to people at work and during the day the less you want to be social after yeah okay yeah. i thought it was no, i just wanted to check because i'd be like mm -hmm. It's I'm like, see y'all next week. I feel like I spend so much time interacting with people that when I get home, I don't want to interact with anybody. I just want to sit in my room and like just vibe out, whether it's listen to music or read a book or just play a video game or whatever it looks like, binge on Netflix. I just want to be by myself because right. it's like I'm. you take in so much energy from other people, especially the, the All day. demographic we're with. And it's like some people really be bugging. And it's like, why, <laughs> why, like, why would you do that? Like, no, <laughs> what? Stop. <laughs> and you deal with that all day. It's like, I don't want to deal with that. Else. <laughs> it could absolutely be a lot. So, yeah, that's a thing. That is definitely a thing. But um, so as far as the podcast, one last thing I want to ask you, right, is where do you ultimately see it going and how do you want to grow it? Uh, that's a lot. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I feel like C.G. just asked this question and I didn't have an answer. Oh, man. See, um, now you got to go back <laughs> after this and go give her an answer. <laughs> so, honestly, I my main goal in starting the podcast was to just be able to express my thoughts and my feelings around mm -hmm. certain subjects long term i'd like to continue to do that and possibly start to build and have like retreats or mm -hmm. outings and things of that nature with um other podcasters as well as other just people that are like-minded um as well as groups and organizations i'd also like to for me personally stem off and start to do a podcast for teens and younger yeah. children um, just helping them with addressing mental health and things of that nature. 
So that's kind of that's a, that's a, is that the answer you gave uh, Sage? No, I ain't give Sage no. an answer. Well, I was like, I don't know. Remember this and then give that to her. I'm gonna just tell her to listen. Oh my she gosh, well, she gonna it's gonna be <laughs> a little, I don't know when she's gonna be able to. You could get the answer to her faster, All but right. um, I'll call her after. No, nah, that's a dope goal, and that's definitely if I could be any help in being a part of that, I'm definitely with that. Like, you that's know, I'll you, call feel you. you feel me, same number, same place, you feel me, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show, man, and I feel like you. You know there's definitely going to be somebody i know myself already has benefited greatly from this conversation and you know i just appreciate you being you and the, the work that you do and definitely keep running with this podcast because it's like i like it so Thank you know keep you. growing keep glowing uh and before we go where can oh almost forgot the question i always ask all right bang double back last question what would you tell a younger you that you wish you knew before you know i ask everyone that question i almost forgot to ask you know what's wild what's up our last episode was actually letters to our younger self so i have the answer knew it um things i would tell a younger me is to um stop trying to be perfect okay perfect is not a thing you can only be you as well as love your skin it's beautiful Mm. and it's what makes you uniquely you dope i love that especially loving the skin you in you got to you got to all right so again nessa thank you for coming on thank we you appreciate for you me. and until next time this is daily dimensions peace